you know, especially in um, for roles that you know there are you know potential burnout risks or grow out risks. Like um, for us, you know, customer support is definitely one of those. Make sure you're thinking about escalation paths, like especially uh, or growth paths, like especially as you're getting the organization's getting a little bit larger. Hey y'all, I'm Chase Clemens. This is the Support Ops Hangout. This is a show that helps you deliver a better support experience to your customers. And we've got some of the best support pros in business. Minus one, Livingston is out this week. So you've only got one Chase on the show, which is just kind of, I don't know, sad, kind of. Uh, but we have uh, Jeff. Jeff, did you go first last week? I forget. I don't know, but I'm first this week and all that matters. <laughs> just jumped right in. How are you? I'm great. Oh, wonderful. It's, it's finally light out here when we're recording the show, and that is that changes everything. It does. This is the best. I love the first week of May because, like, everything lines up where, like, there's more sun. We've got Fridays off now at base camp, and it's just, like, the perfect, like, perfect start to summer, even though I know it's technically not summer yet. I'm going to get an email. Somebody's going to be like, technically... <laughs> summer starts in june have you seen that xkcd about like the word technically how like you can ignore everything that comes after the word technically <laughs> <laughs> and that, the link. that voice was the ever awesome carolyn from buffer how are things hello they're great all right. So this week, um, so we're going to talk about so leading a team is all about really knowing the, the strengths and weaknesses of others on your team. It kind of, it helps to put the right people in the right role, the right pole. <laughs> it helps to put the right people in the right role for whatever project you happen to be working on. But it's always tricky to kind of figure out what the strengths and weaknesses are. And then what happens if somebody outgrows their role on the team? This was really interesting. Um, a great gent sent this question in and we want to tackle it uh, on this episode. So basically the, uh, the sentence that we're filling in with this episode of the series is, regardless of seniority, every good manager knows their team's strengths. So, Jeff, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah. Wait, was that a shake in your head? You don't know what's going on? Or? No, this is just this is a challenging, a really, really challenging <laughs> topic. There's nothing easy about this one. All right, so let, let's start with an easy one. How do you figure out what the strengths and weaknesses of team members are? <laughs> what's the rubric? What's the, the message? Let's just jump right to the crux. Um, <laughs> I think for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about one-on-ones and activities that, you know, and questions that you can ask to pull some of this stuff out. I think I think it makes a lot of sense to hire people for a specific role, but basically the day they're in the door, you're they're on a journey towards something else. Mm. Right? And it could be a full career in in that function, but it's probably not that exact role. That's just not the world that we live in anymore. Uh, I think people are looking for growth and challenges and ways to make more impact. And progress, right? The general feeling that their stuff aligns with the company and that they're experiencing progress while the company is experiencing progress. And so it's not, I don't feel like it's, it it should be something that comes out of the normal loop of meeting with somebody and asking them questions like, what did you work on that, uh, that really got you pumped up this week that you were psyched to be a part of? That was, um, that's one of our every week 15, five questions. And the responses 
to that. I think it's your job as a manager to dig in and say, oh, that's, that's interesting. That's not, you know, normally related to your day job or that, you know, it's interesting that you really like this part and don't like this part. Tell me more about that. Like keep digging in um, because a lot of times that's going to point towards a strength or a weakness. Um, I think the last thing I'll say on this is this is one of those times where you'll end up knowing your teammate better than they'll know themselves. Like very few people, myself included, have really gone through the reflection on what am I really good at? Like what are my top strengths and what are the things that are weaknesses that I should either avoid or maybe try to shore up? Um, you're you're going to have that context from the outside better than that person will. So I think finding ways to bring that up to them is is pretty critical. What do you think, Carolyn? Um, nice yeah. wide open question. Go wherever you want. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know that I have too much to add. In my experience with this, um, people tend to enjoy what they're good at, and they tend to get good at whatever they enjoy. Um, so it's very self fulfilling in that sense that um, people, some people, naturally gravitate toward. Um, they're either interested in something that they are already good at um, (laughs) because that's a rewarding experience, um, you know, or the other way around. So um, just listening, I guess (laughs) Um, it's not really all that insightful, but um, that's really kind of it. Um, And in my experience, there are two sort of paths. Um, Some folks, are what we call T-shaped, which is they have, you know, some basic knowledge in, in a variety of areas, but one area where they, you know, are tall and they're going deep in terms of their knowledge. Um, and then others have sort of the opposite approach instead of getting really, really good at something and continuing to grow in that one area over time, they get good at something and then move on to something else that's new and get good at that and then move on to something else that's new and get good at that. And that could be within customer service or outside. Um, so, and having both of those be okay, assuming both of those are okay in your company, um, they have the flexibility and those kinds of things to, to encourage that type of, um, learning, um, is, is important and recognizing that neither one of those is necessarily better. It's just, you know, people are going to be greater assets to the company doing whatever they're the happiest and naturally skilled at. Yeah, I think, and so like you kind of shrugged it off earlier, that whole listening thing, that that's still like a big core component of what you and Jeff were both talking about. It's, it's not like, you know, there are personality tests out there and there are, there are strength finder tests out. Like one of them is called strength finders. It tells Mm -hmm. you your strengths. Mm -hmm. Um, And and those are helpful to some degree, but it's not the same as sitting down with somebody and and talking through like, like Jeff mentioned, like sitting there and going, this is the last thing that I, I, I did. This is what I liked about it. This is what I didn't like about it. And then you as the manager being able to listen to that and understand what they're really saying you know, if they're talking about, yeah, like I really enjoyed working with so-and-so on, on this project. Is it like, like, what is it about that that made them enjoy it? Do they like working with somebody else outside of their normal team? Do they like working with that specific person because they like have this mentor kind of relationship with them? Um, like, what is it? And, and you don't get to that. What is it point without really like 
to go way back in, in the episodes that we did without like actively listening to what they're saying. So I, I think it, that, that listening there, like it's like, don't just shrug it off. Like that's a proud like moment that you can be like, yeah, that's what you need to do. You need to listen. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I should minimize it. Um, and I agree with Jeff that your perspective may be very different than, than theirs um, because you might, you know, to them, every hour is the same as every other hour in terms of, you know, how they decided to spend their time or what they thought was the most important. But you might recognize that, you know, 90% of the things that they did, they did because they either had to or everybody else. It's just part of the role. And that last 10% was because they saw a hole and filled it or they naturally gravitated towards something. And they might not necessarily recognize the difference between those things, but, mm-hmm. but you are likely to with your perspective. Yeah, you mentioned, I can't remember if it was in like last week's episode or if it was we were talking before the show or something like that. But the uh, the idea of the, the manager being like this hub and mm. spoke model, right? Yeah. Like it, if you're about it in the show. Yeah. In the show. So yeah, listeners, go back and listen to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you might have heard somebody mention one thing and then put it together with what somebody else had mentioned in another conversation. You're like, oh, like what you're really saying is X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. So I think there's there's some value value there. I think I think there's also That's the guest appearance by Sherman. Yeah, <laughs> just stay right there, buddy, on the rug. Um, I I think that there's also something to um, just going back to Carolyn's point, like when people are taking on activities, regardless of how much they seem to be enjoying them, I think as a manager, a good conversation starter is it really seemed like you took to that or it really seemed like you enjoyed that. Like what was your sense of it? Because just reflecting on past experience, I guess, depending on the company that you're at, you may feel like if this doesn't get done, if I don't do it, no one's going to do it and it needs to get done. And I just choose to enjoy everything at work. Like that's just how I want to live my life. So I may be doing something solely because I think it's absolutely necessary but that doesn't mean that it's like my favorite thing or that I gravitated towards it regardless of company need. So I think, I don't know, no, no matter how it can appear on the outside, I just feel like it's helpful to kind of uh, stick your head in or like poke in a little bit further and say like, it seems like you're really enjoying this. Like, would you like some more training on that? Or what are you missing to take that to the next level? Like those kinds of questions can really bring out a lot more insight. Hmm. so what do you do with a person who is still figuring that out so like jeff you mentioned earlier like you're you're hiring for a role and and they're going to evolve beyond that role how do you like so if you're hiring them for that role then how do you evaluate if they're like a good fit for that thing that you hired them for six months down the road i think you should have that expectation for them coming in this is for the role that you hired them for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that part should be clear. Um, as far as evolving them into other roles, I don't think that you should necessarily have a role on paper that you're thinking that they're going to move into. It's more that their existing role is going to either like evolve or more pivot into something else as you get to know them, as they get to know the business, as the business grows and the capabilities need to change. Um, I just don't think it's realistic to expect people to stay 
in the same role for long periods of time, but it is realistic to keep people as you're giving them additional responsibilities, growth opportunities, and potentially like whole new areas of learning that might line up with where they are in their lives. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, sample size of one on this, right? Like one company, a, a bunch of people. But I feel like we've run into problems where we've hired for something and they were great at it, but the business either no longer needs it or they no longer are interest, as interested in it. They're no longer as um, attracted to, to that work. They want to be there, right? They're like a zero risk in terms of culture fit, but you need to help them evolve to something else. And I think that that just... I guess my point from earlier is you just need to be thinking. I, I feel like there's context to be built there as a manager about that from like the day that you meet them. And it's not, I'm like grooming them for this other thing. It's, Oh, like to your point, like to the whole question about what the show is about, Oh, that person has like a really interesting strength that could be leveraged in a bunch of different roles, not just in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that, that, we've been thinking here with the, the base camp support team is like, as everybody's starting to trying to find their niche, like that's a process, right? Like it, it's a process to figure out what you enjoy. Like you're going to have the basic stuff. Like everyone's going to talk to customers in some way, shape or form. That's just, that's the job you're hired for. But the, the, the things that come along with that, you can kind of have a little play and find your niche. And it's almost like for people that don't fall into a kind of a, like that niche right off hand, we found that it's almost like auditing a, a, a like auditing a university course. Like you don't know if this is going to be really interesting, like this weird history class over here, but like spend a week or two in it see if it's something that like, if you're interested and if it's, you know, if, if you are interested, then go into it, right? Like go, like Carolyn was mentioning, go deep in that one thing that, that you have an interest in. But if it's not like no big deal, like you didn't, like it's just a couple of weeks. It's no big time sink or anything like that. Move on to the next thing and audit the next course and, and kind of figure out, you know, I guess all that to say, like people think when we talk about career progression and moving from role to role, that it's like you start at point A, then there's a point B and then there's a point C and it's a very linear thing. And it's not, there's lots of like dead ends and curves and zigzags as you're figuring out where you're going. Mm -hmm. Carolyn, does that hold true over at like, like buffer where it's definitely more of a, a flat, like don't go back as far as like the holistic, like experimentation thing but mm-hmm. you know at, at like where buffer is currently mm-hmm. um does, does that hold true yes of like the zigzags yeah yeah very very much so um yeah and i do think that that some of that is based on personality um so to the point earlier of like the 16 personalities or strengths finder or things like that um I don't think that that will tell you like what someone is or isn't suited for, but it is helpful to know through a tool like that and through just talking to the person and getting to know them um, and asking them this very question, like how risk averse are you? And are you the type of person who enjoys and thrives on change or is change like stressful for you? So somebody who is less risk averse and loves to, get really good at one thing is going to have a very different career progression than someone who like wants to get to mastery and then immediately move on to another skill. Um, so that is where I think different personalities can utilize 
opportunity differently. Um, but yeah, we've definitely, um, I think like we often look at Rodolphe who, um, just recently left Buffer to, um, work on remotive full time and write a book. Um, but like he did like biz dev and finance and operations and sales and, um, like everything under the sun. Um, whereas we have, you know, some customer service folks who've been on customer service for four years, but, and they sometimes flit around, you know, billing expert, mobile expert. And then there's other people who have like just become the subject matter expert on one particular thing. And both of those are great. As long as you're doing, you're falling on the side of that, that makes you happy as an individual. Yeah, it's almost like those those the the tests, like the <clears throat> the the strength finder test and the uh, personality test and all that. It, like it it gives you like almost the language about how to talk about some of this stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah. It, it kind of gives you like the so I think it, like two things. It, it gives you the language because up until that point, like you don't know how to like talk about what are your three greatest strengths. Well, right. I, like how do you talk about that? Um, so it gives you language to work with, but it also like forces that kind of um, self-evaluation, right? Like mm-hmm. even if it's in the form of like this, this, I mean, hell, even if it's like a, an online Buzzfeed, whatever, <laughs> like you're going through and you're picking out, like at least you're starting down that road of figuring out and you're starting down that road of actually doing that self-evaluation. Totally. Um, so I think there's, there's, like you mentioned, there's something there. It's just like, you have to realize, like we were talking about earlier, like it's the, the, the start of the conversation. It's not like, Oh, like your, your strength finder said A, B and C, like <laughs> let's go plug you into things that require A, B and C because right. yeah, like you said, it might be, you might be somebody that bounces around a lot or it might not be. Right. And it depends a little bit on the, the maturity and needs of the company as well. Like, um, my, in terms of the like zigzagging thing that has very much been true for me as well. Um, like I went from leading a team to being an individual contributor. Um, and that, you know, on paper could potentially look strange, but, um, I did that for a long time and I was excited to try something very different. Um, and I'm sure I would love to lead a team at some point again in the future, but I'm enjoying this right now. So, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. It's a nice segue uh, into the, the last question I want to tackle here. So Jeff, how do you, like, how do you know when somebody's outgrown their role? Right. So like they're, they're progressing on, is there, do you wake up one day and you're like, Oh yeah. Like Jane is, is no longer that role. She's this role. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's hard to describe as a manager seeing someone and feeling like, you know what, they just need a new challenge. Like there aren't a lot of telltale signs. It tends to be pretty person specific, but I will say that you can read engagement. You can read how engaged somebody is by attendance, participation, um, enthusiasm. Like you can read engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think sometimes people will just tell you, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not into it. And you can ask like, what's going on? And they're like, I'm just not feeling that engaged. That's kind of like a late indicator. Um, you know, a lot, I think a lot later than the person knows that then your teammate knows. 
personally, I, I think going back to like a way previous conversation we had, you need to have those like uh, casual, that casual level of conversation in place so that they feel comfortable coming to you at any point and saying like, Hey, like, I don't know what's going on with me, but over the last couple of weeks, I have just not been feeling it. And they don't feel like there's huge repercussions coming where you're suddenly going to like go into a whirlwind of activity and move all this stuff around on them. You're just going to dig in from there and say like, okay, like, is it possible that your role's not the right fit? Or is it possible that you've got something going on in your personal life that's just dominating your thoughts right now? You're just not sleeping well or whatever. I just think there's so many potential causes for that stuff. It's where your people skills as a manager are like absolutely required. And it's where the work you put in up front really pays off. Um, so I don't think it, I don't think that there's a formula. I'm sure someone more experienced than me has a bit more of a formula than that. But a lot of times it's get the conversation started early. Not about that, but just make sure that there's a good rapport so that they feel comfortable telling you what's going on. And, you know, especially in, um, for roles that, you know, there are, you know, potential burnout risks or grow out risks. Like um, for us, you know, customer support is definitely one of those. Make sure you're thinking about escalation paths, like especially, uh, or growth paths, like especially as you're getting, the organization's getting a little bit larger. Um, I think that that, that's really, really critical. Is that like a real word, grow out? Because it's not like... I mean, that should be your thing now. Totally. This is the book now. It's like the grow out plan by Jeff. I love it. It's going to be like, I was going to ask the same question. Uh, No, that's, I just, I I just threw that word out there. Um, But I think I've seen it happen enough that with specific people, you can start to feel it out, but it's always on a person by person basis. Some people are really, really good at just being like, super dedicated to their job. And then one day you just hear them sigh and you're like, okay, something's going on. <laughs> like as weird as that sounds, that's the only cue that I needed. And that's one thing that's, that's only going to come with practice. So like for all you new managers out there, like don't feel bad that you can't pick up on a sigh like Jeff can, because Jeff's been doing this for a while. And it's, it's like looking. So like there were, for me, there was always like, like you could look back after you realized like somebody has has that grow out experience. Like you can look back and go, Oh yeah. Like the dominoes are here, here and here. And it makes sense. But when you're in the middle of that, it's, it's, it's real fuzzy. It's, it's, it's hard to pick out unless you've done it a while and you know what a sigh is out of nowhere. I think that's, I think that's totally right. Um, I, I also think going back to a previous point that some people are going to be really happy with define my role Tell me what you expect from me. I love this. This is what I love to do. I just want to get really, really good at this. Let me do this. Even those folks will have periods where they're saying, I need something different. Even if it's just for a little while, I've just had a rough go and I just, I just need a little bit of a break or I just need a little bit more visibility. I feel like I'm losing context on what's going on across the business and it's making me feel less engaged. Um, and for those like, that's not really a grow out 
but that's something where as a team lead, you need to have some of those opportunities like at your fingertips. And hopefully you're participating in conversations with maybe your manager or people across the business where you can say, I need to give, I need to get this person a little bit of a feel like they're getting, they're, they're having this opportunity because of how well they've performed. I've had that a number of times with people where they seemed like the type of people that just wanted to do this job forever. And then they just came up, they just came in and said, I just need to feel like I've earned something, an opportunity to work on something because of how long I've been here and how hard I've worked. They've worked on that project and they went like another year of just saying, nope, I just want to be doing what I'm doing. I'm good. And you don't know what causes, like in my case or my cases, I have, have never had any idea what caused it. It was just my, my job to, to react um, and to, to sort of be prepared for something like that. So Carolyn, when we were at the, the team member you were talking about earlier that bounced between biz dev and sales and all the rest of it, like, was that personal choice on their part or was there like some grow out moment? I'm just going to use that forever now. It's just, a, it's perfect. It's so good. Um, yeah, both. He is kind of a fearless risk tolerant person. Um, and he also, uh, was really interested in learning some in jumping into something brand new and that he's never known. And we needed those roles at the time. Um, and yeah, I, I do think that people just have seasons in life and we have, our planet has seasons. Like we have different seasons in, in the year, in our lives. Like, I think it's, it's, it's short sighted to imagine that that won't be true in a career and in a job as well. Um, and I really love Jeff's point about like, sometimes there's no reason for it. It's just people have seasons and sometimes you are just need a change. Um, but I think that that's, if there's one challenge you're ever going to have as a manager that like, is probably the most important thing you'll ever do. It's creating an environment where somebody can say, Hey, I, it's, it's not a big thing. I just kind of think I want to try something for a little while and not have fear of, Oh, you're burning out. You aren't a right fit anymore. You're whatever the potential fear of consequence that there is in, in that person's mind. Like if you can create an environment where people can say either, I need a change or I'm disengaged. I don't even know what I need like that. Oof, that's a success. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything else to add after that point. We'll leave it there. So that's our take on this one. Let us know what you think. It's uh, the email is hello at supportops.co. We're on Twitter at supportops there. Thanks again for listening. And until we see you again next time, have an awesome week.